Googie. Googie, Googie. I, I, do, I do a whole bunch of good uh, Sesame Street voices. Uh, so my, my, I... my Elmo is on point. Let's hear it. Elmo loves listening to Gamble on. How was that? It's not bad. It's yeah? not bad. Yeah. Well, it's not, not, not terrible. I'm once working. That was Ernie, I guess? <clears throat> I'm sick, so I'm having... Oh, I, I'm okay. Here come the excuses. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Watch it, frog! Oh, okay. So so we're branching beyond Sesame Street into Muppets in general. Yes. First you put the, first you put the piggy. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. I'm going to hold on. I'll hop in here with one. Ready? Yeah. Hello, my name is Professor Bunsen. How did you on Sesame Street? That's the Muppet. It's the Muppet Babies version. But, That's, uh, all right, I, I follow. I follow. Uh-huh. All right, hi, hi ho, Kermit the Frog here. It's time for our annual Muppet lunch. <laughs> First, you take the piggy. Take the piggy. Get the piggy into barbecue. Hey, watch it, chef. <laughs> that was pretty good. Your Kermit, I think, is the best one uh, that that, you, that I've heard from you so far. I like the Miss Piggy. The Miss Piggy. I, that's my favorite one. You don't, you don't like the Piggy, huh? Let me hear. Piggy. Let me hear it again. You know, if I, I've written out scripts before and I've done it like for my kid, they they enjoy it. Uh, all right, Piggy, it's it's really just the one line. Watch it, frog. It's good, but I think I I think I liked your Kermit a little bit more. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. It's, uh, <laughs> I've been working on it for a very long time. Kermit to me is not that difficult. You just have to tighten up your throat muscles and carry on. <laughs> do I do I have throat muscles? I'm not sure. I, I guess know. I do. I don't know. The you know the one that I sometimes can do that is it does it destroys my voice is uh let's see if I can do it. Kermit, I can't find my horn. <laughs> Wait, who was that even? I'm trying to do Gonzo, but it's like oh nah, no, it's gotta nah. be a lot deeper. I, yeah. I don't have it. I didn't. Mm. I, I, I wasn't prepared. No, well, listen, this is all this is all off the cuff. And then there are the ones that you can do. You don't have to do an impression. You just do the laugh. There's and. All right, that's good. Those, those, of, those are both those are both important yeah. to have in your repertoire. This is either the greatest thing we've ever done on Gamble On or the end of our careers. I mean, there's no reason why it can't be both. Gamble On, fellas, Gamble On. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. This week on Gamble On, it's a couple of hacks talking about a couple of hacks, as Jeff and I will dig into the computer breaches at MGM and Caesars. We'll also cover massive iCasino numbers in the few states that regulate it, Phil Mickelson as a responsible gambling ambassador, and... The public has demanded it, so who are we to deny the public the return of bagels and locks? Yeah, we, uh, now I'm hungry. Um, we're also <laughs> going to be welcoming Prime Sportsbook Executive Chairman Joe Brennan Jr. to tell us all about his launch in Ohio and all things in the sportsbook industry. But first, Eric, as always, plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Let's start with what has been a major story in the brick-and-mortar casino world the past week and a half or so, and we didn't cover it on last week's podcast, so let's dig in now. 
hackers got into the computer systems of both Caesars and MGM, and in the former case, reportedly extracted a $15 million ransom to avoid doing much damage, while in the latter case, no ransom was paid and significant damage was done. At the 17 MGM properties in the U.S., including 10 in Las Vegas, ATMs were down, slot machines were down, nobody could take credit card payments, digital hotel room keys stopped working, and on and on. Things gradually came back online, but major financial damage was done with the MGM casinos rendered unattractive to customers for several days. It wasn't until this Wednesday, some 10 days after the hack, that MGM issued a statement saying everything was, quote, operating normally. Jeff, how did you do it, and how are you planning to spend the $15 million? Uh, or if you don't want to answer that, give me your thoughts on the situation and on how big a problem cybersecurity appears to be for the casino industry. Yeah, you know, actually, hold hold on a second. The reception here in Cuba where there's no extradition <laughs> treaty with America isn't that great. Just give, give me one second here. Sure. Sorry. Yes. Good special effects. Yeah, I think. All right. Uh, all right. Thank you. Uh <laughs> No, I mean, I guess it appears to be a big fucking problem. I mean, yes. Jesus, uh, you know, paying the ransom is bananas, but apparently not paying the ransom is even more bananas. Right. Uh, I mean, all in all, this stuff is well above my pay grade intelligence level understanding of the world. Um, and But I think on the plus side, I think it's above everyone's uh, understanding and pay grade and, you know, intelligence which means that like in a week or a month or whenever when this kind of blows over, I don't think MGM is going to have any issues with people coming to their properties or gambling on their machines. I mean, remember like I, – I, was it this year or last year? I can't remember anymore where DraftKings was hacked or whatever. And oh, like, right. I don't know. I, I mean I, in, the, in the moment, I'm like, uh-oh, and I took my money out of DraftKings. But then like after like a few days, I was like, okay, and I put my money back into DraftKings. I haven't thought about it since. So, you know, cybersecurity, cybersecurity, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, offer me a nice hotel room for peanuts, I guess I'm taking it, you know? Right. That's kind of what I feel. Yeah, no, you're right that people will have short memories, and it seems like a bigger deal in the moment. And eventually, if, if not already, then certainly soon, people will be visiting MGM properties just as much as they would have before all this. Um, but you, you said it's above everyone's pay grade. One group of people who it's not above their pay grade. Apparently, I got more emails from PR people for cybersecurity experts this week uh -huh. recommending that we interview them. And uh, you'll, you'll never believe it, Jeff, but their advice seemed to be that casinos should invest more in help from cybersecurity experts. How about that? It makes sense. Yes. I mean, I guess, I, I guess the only thing I'd have to say is that like, and again, I don't know the answer to this, but like our casinos, do they like employ like as good of cybersecurity as like, say, Chase does, you know, as like a banking company? If right. they don't, they should be. Right. That's that's what would appear to be likely to change coming out of all this, that everyone is going to invest more in uh, having the right cybersecurity people in place. Um I, for what it's worth, this attack wasn't solely on the casino industry. Uh, I just read a report from Reuters that this uh, hacker group that's called Scattered Spider, that they hit three other companies in the manufacturing, retail, and technology space. But uh, but those companies haven't even been named, so I imagine there wasn't a whole lot of damage done. They didn't get hit nearly as hard as MGM, or else we would have heard about all the problems they were running into. Um, but, you know, as with all things, a, a lot of people's reaction to the MGM stuff focused on how does this impact me? Uh, right. You know, like, uh, hey, I'm, not, I'm not in Vegas right now, so not my problem. And so a lot of attention was turned to the fact that if you've ever signed up for a player card with one of these properties, if they have your information, then the hackers may now have your information. There was there was a lot of social media chatter about that aspect of this. I, 
I also think the other thing is that, and I, maybe I'm just being naive, but like I assume already the hackers have my information, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I, you know, I'm not even like kidding. Like, right. so I, 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 I'm not like, I don't know. I, I've definitely had, you know, I've definitely got my banks call me before. Like, did mm-hmm. you like buy this computer? You know, right. in Brooklyn, I'm like, nope. You know, and right. they're like, all right, you know, we'll send you a new credit card, or whatever. So I, I, I just assume that this is that my, you know. I just assume that it's happening anyway. So I, I, it, honestly, like, while I, I don't like reading about it, it didn't really bother me. And and honestly, it, it, again, in the end, it's worked out well for me. Cuba is fucking beautiful. <laughs> I, maybe I'll visit you there at some point. Yeah, sure. um, you, you probably heard that it, it all started with a phone call impersonating an employee on the IT staff based on information about the employee found on LinkedIn. That's that's all it took to, to get in. So I figured there will definitely be a I'll movie watch the about. movie. Yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> if they can make a movie out of the GameStop thing, they can make right. one out of this, I think. Sure, sure, sure. All right. Uh, moving on to our second story. Uh, August revenue numbers are in in several of the major states. And one trend that stands out is just how huge the iCasino numbers were in the few states where it's legal. In New Jersey, where the gaming industry overall had revenue over $500 million, Online casino accounted for $155 million and produced more than $23 million in tax revenue for the state compared to under $18 million by the brick-and-mortar casinos. Michigan reported $152 million in iCasino revenue compared to about $23 million for online sports betting. And Pennsylvania lagged just slightly behind in iCasino revenue at $145 million. So basically... All three states are doing about $150 million in revenue a month, and the tax receipts are stellar. And most legislators in other states don't seem to care because other than Rhode Island, nobody is legalizing iCasino. Jeff, shouldn't more people in more states have the opportunity to go on online blackjack tilt just like you do? Uh, But seriously, did you ever think you'd see the day when your home state is collecting more in taxes from online casino than from the nine actual casinos in Atlantic City? Uh, you know, you put it that way. I guess, I, I guess, yeah, but no, no. I guess I'm not surprised. <laughs> you know, when it comes right. down to it, right. um, you know, if I do want to go on tilt, it's a lot easier to do it from my couch than it is to like go down in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like, listen, as far as like the other states, I mean, I think I, the tax issue is the only thing that's I think going to get other states to engage with this, right? Um, and when there's a cash crunch sometime at some place in some state that's already legalized, you know, online sports betting, you know, they're going to they're going to come for this. Um, I think the problem is always, you know, I've talked to a million people about this. There's just not a lot of stakeholders pushing for iCasino. Right. You know, and in many cases, the, the one stakeholder you would think the casinos, you know, the brick and mortar casinos, they're, they're not pushing for because a lot of states, there's a lot of smaller casinos. You know, blah, blah, blah. They don't want the competition that they think it might bring. Um, obviously, New Jersey demonstrates that competition, it, it's not real. You know what I mean? It's not right. like the Atlantic City casinos are hurting. This is just more money coming in. Right. Um, but, I, you know, again, there's not a big public outcry for iCasino like there was for sports betting in, in, in you know, many cases. So, you know, I, I, all in all, pun intended, coming up here, it, it's a little bit dicier mm-hmm. to get iCasino legalized. And then there's also, like, the RG concerns, which, you you know, you don't hear about a lot when it comes to iCasino. But, like, seriously, man, there is zero 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 way that i should be able to spin a slot for like a thousand fifteen hundred dollars a pop right sitting in my house that that's crazy to me um I, you know i i think that I, I really believe that the industry should before someone else notices it <laughs> take care of that little you know 
hiccup there. Right. Um, and then there's also like the moral majority types that are going to be against it, right? So, I mean, I don't know. You know, uh, it's a it's been slow, slow, slow the, the casino movement. Um, but there's a lot of money in it, so you know, yeah. that's that's one's going to win in the end. Yeah, except it seems fairly clear at this point that the money isn't going to influence too many of these legislators because, you know, we're we're more than three years past the start of the pandemic when the, when these iCasino numbers really started exploding. And so, you know, the numbers crossing $100 million a month back then didn't change a lot of minds. And $150 well, they, million now isn't likely to either, I guess. Well, but the difference now is that the legislature, you know, and you, the key word there was COVID. These these states legislate, you know, these states were flush with cash from the feds. Right. You know? Now that's dry, drying or completely dried up. You know, either they spent it all or and it's not coming in anymore. So, you know, state legislator legislature types are always looking for ways to increase taxes without it coming out of like, right. you know, my, my, my wallet, unless, right. you know, in this case, obviously it is, but you know, there, the, it's, you're not going to get a, a, a anti-tax outcry when, if they try to do this based on taxes, you follow what I'm saying? Right. No, I mean, right. That's, that's a key thing is what, whether some of these states will indeed become desperate enough for more tax revenue that they're looking in. But so far, they it's very a few states are looking into it discussing it but it's just moving at such a snail's pace um but i'm, I'm glad you brought up the the rg side of things because that is an important thing here i and i whether some of the states that are resistant are you know if it's coming from a place of being worried about i casino addiction um there's a sort of a side story on that front gary rotstein wrote a piece for us bets last week where he spoke to a guy in Pennsylvania, uh, not me for the record, uh, who was playing a lot of iCasino on his phone in bed and eventually decided he ought to block himself from doing so. So he self-excluded and he didn't read the fine print and he didn't realize it could mean he would be excluded from playing in person at casinos. And he ended up going to a casino and being identified and forced to leave. And I have to say that's that's a really bad policy. Um, they are they are not the same. Someone should absolutely be allowed to self exclude on digital stuff and still gamble in person because I think stories like this will lead some people who really need to self exclude online not to do so. Um, right. So so to all the commissions out there, you know, I say make the self exclusion options as granular as possible. Every site should allow you to block iCasino without blocking sports betting or poker or whatever, and self-excluding in person and digitally should be separate. Um, like Poker Stars slash Foxbet in Pennsylvania, they really got this right when I first signed up, and I don't know if anything has changed, but a few years ago, I could block by individual game. I could limit by individual game. So I could set it so I could do all the poker and sports betting I want, but have a $1 per spin slots limit and a $5 per hand online blackjack limit and block myself entirely from roulette. That's how many options I had. And that's really how it should be everywhere. Yeah. It, the other thing that should be, and I'm surprised that this hasn't really come up more often. I mean, I, I have at times self-excluded for moments in my life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Click, 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 scroll, 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 click, click, right? There really should just be a button on the homepage. Self-exclude, question mark, click. But so you're saying like, I think you still need some specifics on it though. Like yeah, if no, you no, want- no, no, no. no, I'm sorry, you're right. There should be specifics. What I'm saying is to to get to the page where I want to start- Oh, I see. 
Oh, so you're saying that it takes a bunch of clicks to even get to to the page. I see. Okay, I I understand now. Uh, These are such simple little things that this whole industry should be doing in an effort to, when the feds come knocking, be like, look, we're already doing all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we're already doing it all. So, I don't know. Yeah, it seems that they have a lot of ideas about how how to address responsible gambling that are not really well thought through in terms of what's actually useful. Like I'm sure you've, you get the same pop-ups like I'm playing for a half hour and I get a, a pop-up. You've been playing for a half hour. Would right. you like to take it or whatever? And and it, right. all it does is anger me that they're interrupting my game with a pop-up. Right. Like, <laughs> right. so there, I, I don't think that was like really tested at all to see how people would respond. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think you're right. If you're taking RG seriously, there should be an easy button on the homepage to take you to the section yes. of the site where you address self-exclusion or limiting or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the, this, it's a low-hanging fruit. All right. Well, uh, related to uh, what we were just discussing there, our third story, it is Responsible Gaming Education Month. Let's do an RG story here. And this one comes courtesy of Phil Mickelson, whom we've talked about recently in the context of Billy Walters writing about his sports betting habits. Phil took control of the narrative Monday with a lengthy tweet, writing, among other things, I won't be betting this NFL season because I crossed the line of moderation and into addiction, which isn't any fun at all. The money wasn't ever the issue since our financial security has never been threatened, but I was so distracted I wasn't able to be present with the ones I love and caused a lot of harm. If you ever cross the line of moderation and enter into addiction, hopefully you won't confuse your enablers as friends like I did. I'm back on track to being the person I want to be after many years of receiving professional help, not gambling, and being in recovery from my addictions. I'm now able to sit still, be present in the moment, and live each day with an inner calm and peace. In my experience, the moments with the ones you love will be far more remembered than any bet you win or fantasy league triumph. Jeff, how impactful do you think it is for someone of Mickelson's stature to make a statement like this? And was there any particular line in his tweet that stood out to you? Well, I mean, it was impactful uh, in that, you know, in the Venn diagram of people who are Mickelson fans and people who are starting to think they might have a gambling problem probably might be pretty impactful, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, if it helped a person or two or a dozen, then good job, Phil. Like, uh, you know, well done. Um as for anything that uh, stood out to me, well, you know, I kind of know the feeling here. Not not the betting, not the money, right? because uh, that, that's never been an issue for me. It's not because I'm worth hundreds of millions of dollars like Phil, but because I don't bet a lot. And when I do, I'm a long-term winner, just like everybody. Mm. But I really am, like, honestly. <laughs> right. um, but, I, but here's the thing. I, I can't tell you how many times I have physically been with my family, but I'm actually building a fantasy lineup yes. or thinking about building a fantasy lineup. Um, sometimes I kid myself that it's like work, you know, because there's money involved and I, I win because I, I, I don't know if I mentioned I'm a long term winner. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it's not, you know, I, I've tried in recent years to silo all this a little bit better and I'm not always successful with it, especially during football season. Mm. Um, I really I'd love I would love for someone to hook up like those, you know, beep boop, beep boop things to my head to track how much time I spend thinking about daily fantasy football during the football season. Right. I, I think it would just be fucking shocking the amount of time. Like, I think it's like, you know, most people, like most regular human beings, like when they're thinking, like without thinking, it's mm. like, oh, what it's for dinner or, you know, I really I hope my kids had a good day at school. You know, I'm thinking Jerome Ford at 4,800, but it's the <laughs> Titans. I don't know. You know, I mean, that it's it's just constant, you know. Right. That I mean, I, I that 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 stuck, stuck out to me, you know, the, the being there but not being there feeling. 
So this, uh, the when you the beep boop beep boop thing on your head, I'm just picturing the helmet that Doc Brown is wearing when Marty yes, in 1955 yeah, yeah. rings his doorbell. That's kind of that's kind of what you want to track your thoughts. Slap one on me. Okay. Um, I will say, you know, good for Mickelson for at least coming out and saying all this. I don't know enough about him as a person to gauge whether this is totally genuine or some recommended spin from a PR guy and some image repair spin and all that. But either way, it's all good stuff to say publicly. Um, I may disagree uh, about the last thing he said slightly about the... Uh, moments with the ones you love will be far more remembered than any bet or, or fantasy league uh, triumph. I cherish the moments with loved ones over gambling <laughs> wins. But then again, I've never had a good sweat in a large field DFS tournament. If I win a Millie maker, that's, that's a memory right on par with one of my kids being born. I would think. Yeah. Except for my kid being born. Um, <laughs> I, I figured I was setting you up for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No. Well, that you could probably, you know, as long as you're not going to like run off to Cuba with your winnings, I think that also <laughs> would qualify as a memorable family moment as well. You know. Uh, right. Yeah, that's true. That listen, I'm the the, some t- things. the the Uncle Sam gets half, and then my wife gets half of the other half, and so uh, you know, yeah, let's. Uh, it's it's cool. really a family thing. Um, yeah. Assuming Uncle Sam, hey, look, Uncle Sam, he's in the family. He's in the family. It's, not, um, it's like 35%. Come on, it's like a crazy. Okay. But my wife is still definitely getting half of the yeah, remaining bit. Yeah. For yeah. sure, for sure. All right. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. While much of the sports world is obsessing about Coach Prime, We here in the gambling business have a different prime on our minds, Prime Sportsbook, which launched in Ohio last week with the goal of appealing to those customers who are in the market for an old school operator. Joining us now is the executive chairman of Prime Sportsbook, a 2021 inductee of the Sports Betting Hall of Fame, making his second appearance on the podcast, but obviously his first since his sportsbook launched, Joe Brennan Jr. Joe, welcome back to Gamble On. Thanks, guys. You know, it's funny you mentioned that about Coach Prime. I was having a meeting this morning trying to figure out like we got all these smart people somebody figure out how we can co-opt coach prime into being an unwitting <laughs> brand ambassador for us, right so, unwitting so that we don't have to pay him right <laughs> <laughs> so you're just in the brainstorming phase on that one it's a you don't have any I, ideas you just like to figure it out i don't have that level of craftiness <laughs> uh you know i'm pretty simple so i'm gonna have to leave that up to some of the smarter kids we have <laughs> Gotcha. Um, so, so tell us, Joe, about this this first week or so operating Prime Sportsbook in Ohio. What's the response been like? Is there anything that's happened in week one that you didn't see coming at all? I, well, to, to be clear, this is this is intended to be the softest of soft launches. <laughs> I, you know, okay, it's like as close as you can get to like soft launching a restaurant without locking the front door. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, no, we've actually we learned a lot. Uh, we learned that, gosh, you know, some some betters, you could be under a rock on the other side of the planet, and they'll find you if you're willing to take a five thousand dollar bet uh, or a ten thousand dollar bet. Um, so we have we have a lot of folks who are really interested uh, in betting, who have bet, who have deposited, um, because we are rolling out slowly. You know, we need to add some more payment methods to make it a little easier. For folks, you know, uh, like one of the things that's very popular, I'm sure you guys have seen it, 
almost every other sports book has the, the play plus product. We have that. We're actually finding that for people who want to bet in our category that, for instance, the daily deposit limit, which for some sports books saying like, wow, a $2,000 daily limit, they think like, wow, that's great. We've got better saying like, what? I do that in one bet. Like, right. it, it, come on, man. So so adding our wire transfers and uh, we're going to launch another ACH service again tonight that'll, that'll get us up to like 10, like the wires, send us what you want. But for ACH and things like that, getting above 10,000 daily will be really helpful us, to us. Um, so we, so we've had that, you know, it's, I'd say that's kind of like our biggest learnings. Like what are the little niggles that we have to really sort out before we start really trying to push this and push traffic in here? Right. So, so if this is just a, a soft launch uh, for now, do you have sort of a target date range in mind for when you'd like to say we are fully launched? It's like you, everybody, my wife, they <laughs> all want to know that one. I would say that it, it, it's it probably by week two of October, we should definitely have all of our wingspan available uh, to be able to get them. Uh, and, and that's really, that's a good time for us to really start a big push uh, because everybody will, hopefully, everybody will burn off their early season barrage uh, you know, the FanDuel, the DraftKings, and other folks for at least it'll taper off maybe a little. Um, and so trying to push earlier than this, then we would have just gotten lost in the white noise anyway. Right. So, you know, let, let's get, let's rewind a bit. Let's go back to 08 or around that time when, when you first started digging in to the My idea. hair was still dark. And yeah. Uh, yeah. No, great. <laughs> Um. Yeah. When you when you first started digging in into the idea of like trying to legalize sports betting across the nation, uh, looking back at that, I mean, and you know, looking to forward as well, what what do you think is the biggest surprise to you personally? Uh, uh, and also, I guess maybe this might be part of the same answer, but what's the most obvious thing in hindsight? The most obvious thing in hindsight was, uh, I guess yeah, we were right. Uh, we that that. that the PASPA as a federal law was really unsustainable. It was a giant built on clay feet. And not only that it was overturned, but when you look at how the world has changed that even our former opponents, the leagues, uh, the NCA, others have gone in at a 45 degree angle into this, uh, into this industry. It makes me wonder like, Whoa, what was this 10 years about guys? What, you know, can you just capitulate it up front? We all could have been making a lot more money and sitting on bigger boats. Um, <laughs> I'd say the biggest surprise was, uh, in some ways, a total capitulation by the U.S. casino industry, which already had Nevada, Vegas, uh, you know, a, a long tenured uh, outpost of legal sports betting. That when it came time to, to launch this, I figured they would just be extending uh, their existing operations, reaching out to New Jersey and other places. And they just panicked. <laughs> and they said, oh, we, we need to find new technology. Like, well, they had mobile betting apps in Nevada. Uh, you know, they had risk management in Nevada. They had all of those things. Uh, and how, they, how the, the industry just really kind of in a, in a, rush to get live in new jersey and other places they they invited in uh influences operators suppliers from overseas that i think have kind of 
fundamentally affect fundamentally affected uh, the performance of this marketplace to the point where I I would argue and and the folks who I'm partner with would argue that the market is actually underperforming uh, compared to where it could be if the the U.S. model, the American model of sports betting, was a uh, a little firmer there in the early days. Well, one uh, one expectation that some people had uh, back when PASPA fell was that uh, legalized sports books would knock the offshores out of business, uh, or at least greatly reduce use of them. But but that hasn't really happened. Um, is limiting betters the only factor? Do, do you think there's more to it than that? I, I think it's a big part of it. Uh, uh, the other thing is this kind of a unintended consequence is because you still have that offshore industry or the street industry and, and it has a certain appeal to it that there are new betters who have been created since past was overturned that FanDuel and DraftKings and others have brought into the market and now that they've had a certain level of success now I've heard betters say like, well, now I want to try real betting. And they're not talking about FanDuel and DraftKings. They're talking about, you know, some of these big sharp sports books uh, overseas and, and, and elsewhere. So uh, because you know, the, the industry has been so tight in setting their risk man- management controls, making it much more like the, the UK market for bookmaking, uh, in addition to the limits, I think that has, uh, oddly enough, uh, become a, an element of this, but it's still, it's largely that the current marketplace is hostile to guys who bet both big and can string together a couple of wins. Right. And I, and I guess the other major factor is just the States that haven't legalized yet that, uh, that's, you know, if you live in California, Texas, whatever, and you want to bet sports, the, the offshores remain your only option. Yeah, sure. I, there's a lot of talk about, and, and obviously, like the American Gaming Association, uh, the CEO over at FanDuel, others have been very public about communicating, writing letters, um, making public demands of federal law enforcement, DOJ, FBI, to shut down uh, offshore sports books. Uh, it shows a, I don't know, a lack of awareness of what's been going on over the last 25 years. So those guys have certainly worked mightily to shut those uh, operations down. And it's also kind of, it's silly as if the, the way to be able to eventually tap that liquidity that's offshore is to force them onshore on bended knee and apparently making, taking this big pot of liquidity there and betting it $2 at a time uh, that they've been limited to while getting pinwheeled on their in-game betting. It's it's a very simple solution. Uh, And this is why, you know, prime sports and circus sports and others have to happen is you have to organically attract these folks into the marketplace by offering a product that competes with the offshore model, that that competes with the street model, that competes with the credit model. And uh, until you do that, there's relatively little incentive for these guys uh, to move into a regulated market. As you know, as someone as connected to the industry as you are, do you think that, you know, the, the sharp bettors who are, you know, been, you know, who are betting offshore on the street, that they will use you and Circa if you guys, you know, manage to like land in everybody's states? 
Yeah, we did this really radical thing, Jeff, before we launched this thing. We actually went to the players and we talked to them. <laughs> it was, it's this incredible new approach, like talking to players and saying, like, what is it that you want, need, whatever. And and really, it, it it's not that we're they're like, wow, what an amazing concept. Most of those players are just looking for reliable places where they can get down, reliable outs. Right. When we were out at Bet, Bet Bash, with, you know, we've been to all three Bet Bashes. The thing that we hear over and over again from players is, I just need more outs, right? I need more places to bet. And if somebody can bet reliably at, you know, at a prime or a circuit where they know that they can get 5, 10, 25,000 down on a game, then that's, they're going to get handled. They'll always get handled. Uh, and so it, we just have to keep it as simple as that. The other thing is, I, a lot of times you hear people talk about the offshore industry, like it's all just like bright skies, you know, no clouds, everything's sunshine off there. They have it so easy because they don't pay taxes and they're not regulating it. It's not easy in the offshore world for the players. Um, most, I, when you talk about it, offshore now one of the big things that's hanging over it is cryptocurrency right uh over the last five uh years especially the transacting back and forth in cryptocurrency has become just a pillar of the industry well you know now you even have some of them where you you can pay in in, and credit cards whatever it may be but payout is only in crypto Mm -hmm. and you know and i'm not one of the you know, crypto bros or anything like that. But even I'm aware of how hard it is to take your crypto and convert it to greenbacks here in America. Uh, the other thing is like, I don't know, if do I really want to make, make a bet in Dogecoin and then have <laughs> like, oh no, Elon Musk had a hissy last night. So now Doge, Dogecoin dropped two thirds of value overnight. So my $10,000 win is now a $3,000 win and I, and I can't get it back fast enough. So one of the things that I think we have that's a real you know, draw for people who are betting offshore is, okay, yeah, you got to convert to greenbacks. And yeah, there's some extra documentation, but you know you're going to get paid. Mm. And you know you're going to get paid in good old-fashioned U.S. dollars. And that's relatively stable. Yeah. Okay. There's some trade-offs, but there's some – there's also – there's some real – you know, there's some real benefits to bringing these guys in uh, from the cold and bringing them into a regulated environment. All right, let, let's finish this up with a little uh, newlywed game type question. Finish the oh, sentence for me. Finish the sentence for me. In five <laughs> years, Prime Sportsbook will be everywhere. <laughs> uh, no, that we will not be everywhere. But I think that by that time, we'll grown and expanded to the states where it makes sense. There, you know, there are some sports books like FanDuel and DraftKings and BetMGM where they're playing whack-a-mole. Like if if the you know if Trinidad and Tobago was going to legalize it today, they we're going to legalize it there. We're going to go there. You know, they'll, they're more than willing to go to Arkansas, which like New York State wants to charge a fifty-one percent gross gaming revenue tax. We will never go to a state that charges a fifty-one percent gross gaming revenue tax, unless there's an asterisk there. Somebody can find some really special deal to make with us to go there to make it worth our while. Uh, but we're more interested in expanding to hub states. You know, Ohio and New Jersey are great examples of that. 
where we're not just getting the state, like New Jersey, we're also getting the greater Philadelphia and greater New York City areas. Ohio, I mean, look at the the city, the metro areas that surround it. You've got Detroit, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Louisville. So these are great hubs for us, and we're looking for other opportunities like that in the U.S. to expand to. I, I, I'm putting you on the spot here with this last question here, but I'm I'm sitting here. In, I thought that was the last question. No, I, I, I thought so, too. I thought so, too. I'm sitting here in, in, in that hub state of New Jersey. Uh, TikTok, Joe, when are we when, when what's happening? Yeah, it's like it's like waiting for the Pope to be elected, right? Like you're sitting outside of DGE's offices, waiting for the white smoke out the chimney. All right, uh, you know it's it, it right now. It's just look, we, we've taken it very seriously about bringing our own platform uh, into the U.S. You know, our our partners are Planetech, Adam Bjorn's company. Uh, they're well known for also being the platform that Beckrist International uses in Latin America and Asia and Europe. Uh, this is the first time in. And so I, I got to imagine that, that we're getting extra special scrutiny here. But we, we welcome that because if we're able to get the certification and we expect to here very soon from New Jersey on our platform, we can open up. That's just a big plus for us and being able to go around. Um, and it really allows us to differentiate. I'm, I'm about you know, five miles from DGE offices. So I'll, I'll keep looking up at the sky. <laughs> I, you know, I just let, I almost feel like putting a live webcam on it. Like, do we have, <laughs> you know. but no, I'll tell you what they, they, they know what we're about. Um, I think they would agree that this is the kind of thing that's needed because New Jersey is one of those marketplaces that clearly, you know, it still has uh, underperformed relative to the total addressable market. Um, how much of the handle that they're actually getting. Uh, Adam likes to say that for every dollar that's wagered with the regulated market in a state like New Jersey, there's at least one or two more dollars that are still being played offshore and uh, and on the street. The only way to attract them really over the long run is by offering a competing product. And that's what we're going to do. Well, I'll follow Jeff's final question with another final, final question. Oh, my God. You guys are just it's like third encore. It's like We're, a Springsteen concert. Yes. Well, perfect <laughs> reference. All right. You're right in my sweet spot with a Springsteen reference. So um, I, I'm in I'm in Pennsylvania where we have a 36 percent tax rate, which isn't 51, yeah. but it isn't New Jersey either. I assume I should wait a lot longer than Jeff for white smoke in my state. I Here's the thing. And everybody knows me knows that it, much like Harvard kids tell you within 10 seconds that they went to Harvard. Anybody who meets me knows within 10 seconds, I'm from Philly. Um, <laughs> so it, it is incredibly disappointing for me to contemplate right now that we would be opening up a sports book and that, you know, my, my hometown might be that out of reach city on the hill here right now. But no, I, I don't know how people can make money at that tax rate, I think the mar- the market itself is really underperformed when you look to its next door neighbor. And it's going to be even more damning when Ohio revs up with a full uh, football season, regular season. Um, and that's even with Ohio just out of nowhere doubling their tax rate from right. 10% to 20%. Thanks, Ohio. But you know who <laughs> I blame for that? I blame uh, FanDuel and DraftKings because there was – you know, Jason Robbins and, and Amy Howtown, and I'm like, you know, two years ago, like, yeah, absolutely. We can, we can run a profitable business at 51% GGR, 51% GGR, right? 
Right. And then there's Jason Robbins and Amy Howell and Albany last year saying like, well, if you guys don't give us tax relief down to 35, we're going to have to start screwing your citizens. <laughs> well, uh, Governor DeWine in Ohio, Ohio has some some fairly good institutions of higher learning where they can, they can do subtraction. Like, wait a second, we're at 10, but if we double it to 20, we're still 15% lower than our neighbors there in New York State. Like, let's do that. Right. So it, it's really hard to kind of complain when the two industry bellwethers are out there. And who knows? Maybe it's intentional on their part. They're so smart. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, oh, we're going to make the taxes so onerous. Well, that was their plan in, in New York. Make the taxes so high that only we can do business at that level. But it turns out not even they can do business <laughs> at that level. Right. So hopefully that does not become a trend. Uh, right. It would be but unfortunately, Arkansas saw it, and they're like, hey, we're the great state of Arkansas. We should do that, too. We're not going to Arkansas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are right. going to Kentucky. So okay. I'll see you in the bluegrass state soon. All right. And for now, you're in Ohio, and uh, we wish you uh, the best of luck, uh, success there, hopefully New Jersey soon. And I'm not too far from the Jersey border, so perhaps I'll, 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 play, uh, I'll play in Jersey. I'll you proxy know, for you. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Right, well, uh, I, illegal, I, Jeff. I, no, well, we don't admit I, that publicly. No, that is that is not allowed. But you know, <laughs> I, I would say there are many fine, you know, Starbucks with uh, free Wi-Fi service That's lined right. up. That's right. Uh, just on the other side of the bridge. <laughs> you could use you could use my basement, Eric. <laughs> okay. Either either way, I'll be betting way below all the posted limits. But uh, looking <laughs> forward to trying the site anyway. There you go. Thanks so much, Joe. All right, guys. Take care. Two men, $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Shout out to listener Joshua Johnson, who asked on Twitter after last week's show, what happened to bagels and locks, to which Jeff and I basically responded, Oh, right. Forgot about that. Uh, so this week, Bagels and Locks returns. Uh, but first, let's update our betting bankroll. And Jeff, for the record, I never doubted us for a minute. Uh, <laughs> what a week we had. And uh, yes, I'm ignoring some MLB futures that are basically graded because uh, I don't want to spoil our celebration. We'll, we'll get to those some other week. In sure, terms sure. of our new bets, only two of them lost. Uh, my SGP on the Eagles-Vikings game cost us $40, and your bet on Josh Jacobs to score a touchdown cost us 100 But here are all the winners. The Gus bus drove into the end zone. We won $220 on that. You had Anthony Richardson to score a touchdown at plus 170. We won $128 on that one. And you had him to score two TDs at plus 1400 And though he got a concussion on the second TD and exited the game, the bet still hit. That's a win of $350. Uh, I had Seahawks plus five and a half against the Lions. Got a little scared when they blew a lead and went into overtime, but uh, but that was a winner in the end. $100 there. And my boxing bet, Luis Alberto Lopez on points, also won another $100 profit. So for the week, we won $758, putting us down by a less pathetic $2,572. We still have $2,886 on hold in futures bets. That leaves us with... $4,542 available to bet with this week, and you're up first, Jeff. All right, let's go with a can't-miss wide receiver touchdown parlay. Ooh, okay. Mm. Tyreek Hill at minus 105, matched with Nico Collins at plus 240. Let's go $100 at plus 563. 
uh, Hill because he's Hill. Uh, always a threat to score a touchdown, obviously. Mm-hmm. Collins, simply because the odds are too good to pass up for this guy. I mean, he, you know, he's got, I think, 20 targets on the year. He scored last week. He's a budding superstar. He, he, he's really good. And the Texans are not afraid to throw at plus 240. Uh, that implies what, like six, seven touchdowns over the course of the year? You know, that's, he's going to do better than that. So I'm just, I'm taking the odds there. All right. I, I, I like it. I will, uh, you know, disclaimer that the, the words can't miss were meant sarcastically. Yes, uh, always. Yes. But um, as far as uh, value, sure. Uh, could be some value there. Um, yeah. So uh, there's been a lot of discussion in one of the office Slack channels uh, about NFL comeback player of the year, largely asking the question of if DeMar Hamlin steps on the field, does he automatically win? Uh, He's not the minus 600 favorite he was at one time. He's come down to minus 115. Uh, Then there's Tua at plus 300, and then a bunch of 20 to 1 and up long shots. I do think the Hamlin price is about right. And if indeed he plays a little bit, uh, you know, maybe more than just like one drive, but, you know, plays at least a full game or two, he probably does win. But Will he play? I have no idea. Uh, Tua, he's been very good, but it's been two games, and I just don't know that I trust that he'll stay healthy, and plus 300 isn't a great payout. Uh, Someone in the channel was liking Lamar Jackson. I don't really see that. Uh, Here's the long shot that I love. Baker Mayfield at 25 to 1. Uh, Yes, like Tua, it's just a two-game sample size so far, but what a story. Former number one pick who flamed out, turned into a journeyman, took over a Tampa team with zero expectations. Now they're 2-0, and and you know what? They have a good defense. They play in a lousy division. He has excellent receivers to throw to in Godwin and Evans, and maybe he isn't much of a downgrade from 46-year-old Tom Brady. Um, so if they finish over 500 and win the division, Mayfield is a perfect candidate for comeback player of the year, and the Bucks are currently plus 400 to win the division. So I love Baker for comeback player of the year at plus 2,500. They play the Eagles this week. They'll most likely lose. But if not, if they win, Baker's going to be like plus 500 next week. So I'm going to jump on him now at 25 to 1. Let's go $25 to win 625. Um, And I'm just debating whether we should sort of be hedging with like 115 to win 100 on Hamlin. Do Do you think there's value in that, that we should do both or just ride with Baker? I think there's value in it. All I right. mean, he was like minus 700. Like, right. All this right. Started. So now that it's so, yeah, I guess that's good. We've got the, let's, let's do that. 115 to win a hundred on Hamlin as the safe play and 25 to win 625 on Baker. And uh, as long as one of them wins, we have a nice profit. You know, I will say this. I mean, what's Baker at MVP? Ooh, wow. Now you're, now you're reaching, but I uh, know, no, I am reaching, <laughs> but if it's I'm, an insane return, it well, may I'm, be I mean, uh, I, worth I, I reaching for it's, it's, it's 10,000. Plus ten thousand, so hundred to one. Yeah, um, that's still drafting. I don't know what it is in other places, but like you, the the rationale there is the same. A quarterback's going to win it, right? Right. Uh, and if what if I mean, what if the Bucks end up finishing twelve and five, and and Baker throws for four thousand yards? He is the MVP. You know, uh, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, yeah. let's get let's get past the Eagles first. <laughs> right. Know? Right. I guess but, so. I, I have a bet coming up later that would you know put a put put a fire out on all okay. this talk. Baker. Right. So anyway, let's go with something more reasonable. Uh, Paul Giamatti, 50 bucks at plus 1,000 for best actor. Uh, yeah. How about that? That's a Christopher <laughs> Frozen special. Uh, you know, would you by like, the way, would you like to talk a little bit about what the movie he's give any specifics to our listeners who aren't inside oh, yeah, your yeah, brain? Yeah, sure. 
Sure, it's called <laughs> The Holdovers. Uh, Paul Giamatti, he, he plays a uh, old, crotchety, lonely uh, private school teacher who apparently befriends one of his students. Uh, Christopher Rosen at Gold Derby loves it. By the way, we moved odds the other day. Uh, wow. He loved this director at plus 1600, whose name I'm going to butcher, so I'm going to try as the director of Poor Things. It was plus 1600 at DraftKings. Uh-huh. I, I was able to get down my buck 93, literally. <laughs> and then uh, they moved it to plus 400. Wow, that's a pretty big move. It, move. Big it, is, it, is that one, is that Lanthimos? Is that that guy? Lanthimos, yep. So, yep. so the reason that I know his name is he was the director involved a few years ago when some sort of alleged offshore leak that he was going to win Best Director for whatever movie it was at the time, maybe The Favorite, um, that there was some... Uh, he went from long shot to like all this money rushing in on him, and people thought that it meant that someone had seen the winner, and, mm. and, and then he didn't win. So... Uh, but that that was the first time I heard his name. And uh, look at look at you moving markets, yeah. But you got your two your dollar ninety three down at the good price. I did. <laughs> All right. But here we've got. I'm not 50, kidding. This 50, is not a joke. Right. We, we got fifty not bucks on Giamatti here at ten to yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. I like yeah. it. All right. He's going to end up being much lower. Those those odds are going to lower. That's what right. I'm okay. It's, it's good value. Okay. Going to lose, but it's good value. <laughs> well, that's all we can ask for. Um, All right. Uh, I haven't tried a teaser yet this season, but uh, here's one that I like. It's two big favorites and one underdog. We're going to move the line seven points. Uh, The 49ers are minus 10 at home against the Giants without Saquon Barkley tonight. Let's move that down to minus three. Easy peasy. Uh, The Titans are plus three at the Browns. The Titans play everyone tough. These teams are even-ish. If anything, I may say Tennessee is the better team. Uh, We can get them up to plus 10. They, they aren't getting blown out here. And lastly, the Chiefs, minus 12 and a half, hosting Chicago, the mismatch of the week. We can move that down to minus five and a half. Come on. Chiefs are definitely winning by at least six. Uh, can't lose, Jeff. And I mean that literally. It cannot lose. <laughs> uh, pays plus 130 at DraftKings. So $100 to win 130. Easy money. Easy fake money here. All right. Well, if you're going to do a teaser, I'm going to do a teaser also. All right. Uh, six points at plus 160. Okay. Uh, Dolphins giving half a point to the Broncos, Seahawks pick them at home over the Panthers, and Eagles getting a point and a half in Tampa. Crossed you crossed the zero, huh? I did because I don't <laughs> under I don't understand. Uh, yes, I crossed the zero. I don't give a shit about any of that shit. <laughs> and the reason I don't give a shit about it is because if I, I, I how the Eagles getting points anywhere against anybody, I'm going to take. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, uh, against a, a team that's not a fellow elite team, with all due respect yeah, to no, Baker and the Bucks. No, yeah. but even seriously, give me give me the Eagles getting a point and a half against who that you're that I'm not going to be. Yeah, that's a good bet. Yeah, I would say I would say on the road against a couple against San Francisco, against Kansas City, whatever. There are a couple teams where I don't yeah. know that getting a point and a half with them is the right side. But but I just in I, general, but, yeah. For this, for this, there was two other games that I like. I like the Bills, like giving like a, like a, a point or a half point to the Commanders. Right. But there's something about the Commanders that scares me. Oh, see, I thought you were going to say there's something about the Bills that scares you because they're. Well, no, they're... I, I think no, no, no. I mean, I think the Commanders could win the game. Right, honestly. right. But uh, but I'm saying I thought you were getting ready to say you didn't trust that one because the Bills, Josh Allen and the Bills, like are capable of a total stinker from time to time. It's that, and their defense is capable of a total stinker, I think. Yeah. I, I, and, and I don't know. There's something about the command. Uh, that game scares me. And the other thing that I really, that I was going to do was teasing the over in the Steelers 
Raiders game down to 37. Uh, everyone is like sticking their nose up at that game. But I was right. looking the time of possession. These teams have combined per you know per game at like 49 or 50 minutes, some ridiculous number. So there's like a lot of you know their offensive has not been on the field a lot. Basically. Right, right. So you know that I, I you know I, when I see something like that, I like that. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I decided to cross the zero like a <laughs> schmuck. <laughs> And take and take the Eagles. All right. Point Listen, if it wins, then we can tell all those people who refuse to cross zeros that that they're wrong. But what's the difference here? If if the Eagles, so you're telling me if the Eagles were six and a half point favorites, then I it's okay to tease them down to you know a, a half point. But I can't tease them past that. That doesn't. What, what's what's the rationale? The ra- the the rationale is just basically that you're giving up si- some teeny tiny percentage of value by. By one of your numbers being a, a number a zero, right. that isn't that isn't really worth anything. So that right. that's all it is. Is that somebody who places a million bets and cares about every tenth of a percentage point of edge would say that this is not a good idea. But well, fuck off. That's not us. So yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Or fuck off. Right is another right. way to phrase that. <laughs> uh, all right. So my last bet this week is a boxing bet. A heavyweight rematch on Saturday. Zhang Zhilei against Joe Joyce. I got this one very wrong the first time. I thought for sure Joyce would win, but Zhang couldn't miss him with the straight left hand. The fight got stopped with Joyce all swollen up. And uh, I don't think Zhang is quite a big enough favorite here, given how clearly superior he was in the first fight. If he was about minus 150, I might say, nah, no no value. But he's only minus 120 at FanDuel. There's thin value there. Um, I like the bet. I don't quite love the bet. So instead of going 120 to win 100, which would be the standard, and, you know, considering our bankroll isn't at its peak right now, Nothing wrong with reducing slightly. Uh, so uh, watch this incredible display of responsible gambling, Jeff. Mm-hmm. We'll go three quarters of a unit on this one, $90 to win 75 Oh, okay. That seems reasonable. Yeah. All right. You ready to do well uh, bagels and locks again? Sure, I'm ready. All right. You're up first. What is your lock of the week? I'm going to go with the Seahawks giving six at home to the Panthers. Panthers are just not good. The Seahawks, I, you know, if they beat, let's say they beat the Rams in week one. Which they didn't, but let's say they did. Right. They this this would be ten points. And I do I think the Seahawks are awesome. Uh, I don't think so. But they're coming back home. They don't want to lose at home again. I I, I don't know. Six six points seems fair. Yeah, I I like that one. I uh, I needed in my I, I'm I apologize in advance. I'm about to talk about my fantasy team, but uh, I needed to make a move for a new defense on my on my uh, season long league team because I had Denver and they kind of stunk, and I wanted to pick up Kansas City, uh, but somebody else uh, snagged them first. So looked at the options, and I I now have the Seattle defense. Just figuring. Bryce Young, rookie in Seattle with that crowd, could be it could be a great environment for him to implode and uh, get a lot of turnovers. So I, yeah. I think you're on the right side of that one. I'm not quite as sure it's a lock, but I, I like the pick. Right. Uh, so my lock this week is the Jets team total under 17 and a half. Uh, first off, Zach Wilson, he really stinks. Uh, mm. Good arm, I'll say that. Great taste in women. <laughs> sure. Great taste in women. Great openness to women of all ages. Credit yes. him for that. But yeah. um and and credit him I, for just like a good arm, the physical part of throwing the ball. That's there. Uh but everything else, he is just not able right now to play quarterback in the NFL competently. He makes bad decisions left and right. They scored 22 points in week 1 against the Bills with the help of six special teams points in overtime. 
They scored 10 last week against the Cowboys. This week they're playing the Patriots, who have allowed 25 and 24, but to two of the most talented offenses in the league, the Eagles and Dolphins. Now Bill Belichick gets to scheme to take advantage of Zach Wilson's deficiencies. No way this offense scores over 17 points on Sunday. I do have to worry about the Jets scoring a defensive touchdown, but I'll take my chances there. Under 17 and a half for the Jets. Lock of the week. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with like three points in this game. All right. I like it. All right. And that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Joe Brennan Jr. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. You know, of all the old school sports betting versus new school sports betting takes out there, the one that leaves me the most head scratchy is the whole idea of refunds for bad beats, for injuries and the like. You know, the old school people say, no way, no refunds. You bet you lost tough shit. The new school says, man, I bet my player got injured. Man, I want my money back. You know, all right, listen, here's my take. Who gives a shit? If the sports books want to give money back and maybe as a direct or indirect result offer worse odds down the line, so be it. If sports books don't want to give money back, either because it goes against their orthodox ways, or maybe because they, you know, don't want to give the money back, so be it. You know, of course, of course, if you're a better, there's an easy way to avoid all this. Bet the under, schmuckos. Gamble on! <laughs>